Professor Brian Brown's research shows that vulnerability fosters good emotional and mental health. It is a sign of courage. We become more resilient and brave when we embrace who we truly are and what we are feeling. The Vulnerable Scientist Podcast is a space for scientists to tell their honest and authentic stories. I am your host, Saranya Kerry, who happens to be a scientist, informal science communicator, and I help scientists create personal websites. If you want to support this show, go to www.patreon.com slash thevulnerablescientist. You can also follow this podcast on all social media platforms at TV Scientist Pod. Hi everyone, welcome to the Vulnerable Scientist Podcast. This is your host, Sarah Nyakeri, and today I have Lillian with me to tell us her journey in science. Hi Lillian. Hi Sarah, I'm so glad to be here today, finally. Oh, yeah, finally, finally, we've been, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened last time though, but anyway, I can't remember no, what happened. No, I, I don't, I don't want to speak about my country so badly but you know load shedding happened and mm. i wasn't really sure when it would happen but it started during our session you remember so i couldn't yeah. connect yeah but then it took a long time for me to finally reschedule it but i'm glad we're here now yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing finally it's happening i i have been curious mm -hmm. about to hear your story so mm -hmm. Maybe introduce yourself to someone who does not know you. Okay. So, like I said, I'm a bit shy and often I don't know how to talk too much about myself. But uh -huh. hi, everyone. My name is Lilian Baisiangango. I'm a PhD student at Rhodes University Research Unit in Bioinformatics. Um, my main research interests are mostly on vector control, vector biology, and a lot of computational um, research. Mm -hmm. And I think um, what else? My journey started a, a while back, so there's a lot to how I came or how I was led into this path that I'm mm -hmm. in, and how that went but then I feel like where I am right now this is what I'm really passionate about and it's very interesting how I got here from mm. where I was and how I keep growing into now the career that is practically my calling I would say that wow yeah. I've, I've never heard someone <laughs> in bioinformatics say that like it's that calling <laughs> This is the first. <laughs> Mostly people say it's a passion or they like it mm. or they you've come to like mm. it. But for you, it's 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 a bit different. I'm I'm very curious yeah. to know what your story is about and how interesting, uh, interestingly, you got into bioinformatics as a mm -hmm. career path. But before that, let us know where you grew up. Tell us more about your background before you even thought about education and all that, like seriously thought about education. Uh, okay. So I grew up in Nairobi, Kenya. Mm -hmm. um, actually, before that, the first few years of my life, I used to stay somewhere just out the outskirts of Nairobi. Mm -hmm. But then in the middle of it all, 
we managed to come to Nairobi with my parents and that's where I essentially grew up. I was a very quiet kid. Mm-hmm. Maybe my dad would <laughs> beg to differ, but oh. I feel like <laughs> I was a very quiet kid and okay. I loved to read and I was very explorative. So I w- I always had this question of how things work and uh, my parents they were both teachers at the time Mm -hmm. so they were very keen on education and sort of nurturing uh, my skills and everything so apart from yeah i i am a firstborn out of three kids Mm -hmm. and i have one brother and one sister both of them interestingly are also in the path of science so extremely different fields not biological but it's just something that i guess was spread into us by our parents um but yeah so i grew up in nairobi um this is um i don't know if you know where komarok is but most of your listeners probably don't but Mm. then it's sort of a middle class Mm. uh, environment yeah so that's where yeah i i spent most of my life that's what i grew knowing and most of my childhood involved mostly going to school and home and reading and like my brother and sister and usually i make fun of them because I don't know how to ride a bike, but they do because they were very outdoorsy people. Oh. But for me, mm-hmm. I, I, I usually just loved staying with my thoughts and, you know, processing just everything that's going on in my head. So I'd rather spend most of my time with my books and mm-hmm. journaling. I actually discovered that I started journaling pretty early in life when just the other day my brother was sending me screenshots of an old journal of mine and Mm. (laughs) things that i documented in them um around nine ten when i was nine or ten years old so pretty young and i had all these things in my head which which was really interesting but one of the things that actually sprang out from the journal was when you know when you're a kid you're very imaginative and Mm. you don't know exactly how life would be you don't know the challenges or the setbacks so you're free to wander in your head so in this specific journal entry i had talked about how i want to be a scientist but Ah. obviously as a kid i didn't know what kind of scientist i wanted to be but there was a mention of i want to be an astronaut i want to see mars i want to be able to um heal people i see people suffering i want to be a doctor but Mm. i also want to so in my head i wanted to do all these things and i knew that all these things were possible there wasn't just one career for me it was something that i wanted to do see the world see outside the world be with people close to me local people be able to improve their health uh, heal the sick and also just do more so that was an interesting thing that uh, my brother sent me and i was like so i was in this path all through my life but i never realized it 
until now this is when it's really manifesting that what i had in my head is happening obviously not the astronaut bit but mm. the science bit, science bit yeah mm. oh, this mm-hmm. is great i i love this like oh my goodness like are you still journaling now I try as much as possible, but now because mm. things are ma- mainly just online and the soft copy things, so I type a lot. I have a journal entry in my laptop, but mm. I would have preferred to have like books where I can actually write down because writing mm. down there's just an art to it that yes. isn't comparable to, yeah, typing oh down. My God. Yeah, I relate mm-hmm. so much to what you just said because I write mm-hmm. more than I type. Okay. I type, of mm-hmm. course, a, lo- a lot more, but I prefer mm-hmm. writing. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I really love writing. Yeah, like, it's on just my different. Yeah. yeah, putting words to paper is mm. very different. Yeah. It's a different experience. It's, I, I don't know. I've tried typing away my thoughts. It's a bit different mm-hmm. unless I'm typing on phone, but typing on a mm-hmm. laptop, it's a bit different. But mm-hmm. when I write just like literally on the diary, I have so many diaries. Um, mm-hmm. diary kind of books they're really mm-hmm. kind of books like the, the those books that have empty spaces in the dates where it's not yeah. like a calendar so i like that mm-hmm. I, I even mm-hmm. now i have one that i'm writing on what you just you know i'm just taking notes of what you say saying so that i remember yeah. what to ask you so yeah talking of asking yeah. you you've said <laughs> that your parents instill some sort of thing mm-hmm. it, that's why you all of you guys are in science what is that i think from the the i I would say from the time that we were able to um decipher what's right or wrong Mm. i wouldn't say from the time that we were born but from Mm. the time that we were big enough to know what's going on our parents already instilled in us the the spirit of or the belief that education is really key, it's very important. Mm. Not to say that they limited us from venturing into other other skills, which mm. are also very important, but mm. them growing up from, both of them are actually firstborns in their respective families. Mm. And then growing up from that and being teachers, mm. they had this passion for education and knowing just how important it was and pushing us to try and, um get that passion to mm. keep learning every time now that's what they instilled in us and my parents actually have in their house they have this room with just that full of books books all types of books historical mm. books fictional books any type of book that you might be interested interested in they just have this whole collection and my dad keeps getting new books every mm. other month and it mm. used to be very i guess when you get so many books and it sort of clatters, clatters the room you're mm. asking is there an end to it but then my parents would be like there's no end to learning so even if um you feel like you've read too much already there's still more to learn more to read so in the past i was more keen on fictional stories because i love to read but then with my parents repository of books i also learned how uh, 
just how much interesting historical books are and what my dad used to do to keep us interested in like history like kenyan history or african history is he would give us nicknames based on interesting characters from these historical mm. books that he read and mm. now with that we would we'd be curious mm, why is dad calling us this and then we'd want to read this historical books uh. to see what did what did this person do and what character does dad see in me that is portrayed in this book so uh. yeah so just having that passion to keep reading and keep learning and not just focused on fictional but also you're going to historical facts that things that really happened or you're going to now scientific facts where you're reading about the history of malaria or you're reading about how HIV came about and the sort of things that are that that have been done to sort of control HIV how the virus keeps evading drugs so with that kind of exposure to these books, I think that's what triggered us to be sort of really interested in now science, just learning how things come about. And it's interesting, maybe my, my brother and sister have a different journey or connection to the books that we have in my dad's library. But for me, I found that a lot of the books that I used to resonate with were mostly scientific books that he had in his collection. So I would go through most of them and just see, especially the biological um, sciences books, and just look around and see what's going on, what diseases are coming up, or just being curious of how the heart works. Why does it beat like this? What What is it? Why doesn't it stop? you know just the normal questions that kids have and we're lucky enough to have books in my dad's library that could answer most of those questions and this was way before internet was like a thing where you think of you something just... and you're there googling what is yeah. it we have this whole book that takes you through the journey through the motions yeah you are Oh my god, I can imagine how much information that you have in your head right now. Like you started <laughs> reading that early and all these mm-hmm. questions, like all these kinds of books, fictional, educational, um mm-hmm. it's it's historical. That's that's pretty interesting to hear that. Like you know, mm-hmm. my relation with books was a bit different. Earlier on it was mm-hmm. different from what it is right now. Uh early on my parents used to sell books and um mm-hmm. Uh, so of course for before for before them selling the books they have to read the book so there was mm-hmm. that culture of reading but um and there was this room that had was full of books and people used mm-hmm. to come because they they were uh, the administrator my dad was the administrator of books around for people mm-hmm. to sell books so mm-hmm. there were a lot of there's this whole room that was full of books and I did not like that room but uh, <laughs> for some weird reason I used to. Uh, stay there i was the first one i am the first one but when i feel like mm-hmm. i need to be on my own i'll just go to that room and just look for books that are interesting mm-hmm. that have pictures or that have an interesting font that's what i'll read like read, mm-hmm. you know readers digest yes i do we actually <laughs> had like readers digest in in my parents library ah. yeah yeah, mm-hmm. so that's the one I actually I remember. That's the one I remember reading, like always, like mm. savage looking. For. I, I, I used one? to like like 
Yeah, I used to like the the sections with the jokes in Reader's Digest. Yeah. So I used uh. to like go through the jokes. And, yeah. <laughs> Even me, I never used to read the whole book. I'll just go to the interesting <laughs> parts that I like. <laughs> but I, I, I guess I didn't have a like a crazy culture with books. Even now, I feel mm. like uh, there's a comment that you said that uh, you see it as a sort of I don't know source of litter of some sort. Um, mm-hmm. and now we have a whole corridor full of books because there's no more space to put the books. Um, mm. <laughs> like just... I relate to that. I know we've, <laughs> we've had these conversations with, where you can hear mom talking to mm. my dad and mm. she's like, you keep getting books, but there's so many books. They're sitting right. into like the corridor and the living yeah. room. <laughs> it's like there's no end to it. Yeah. Oh, for me, I think I'm the one actually who came up with that. I was like, oh, this is so much. There's no more space for anything. It's just books. Mm -hmm. So I was like, Mm -hmm. "Ah." then I thought, the grid is too big i think we can fix some books over there so mm. there are two parts of the corridor that are full of like from down to up it's just a books mm-hmm. <laughs> going upwards <laughs> and i'm actually thinking of making a, a, a what is it called a bookshelf that is on mm-hmm. the wall to to have a better arrangement of those books anyway that's mm. I, i've never had a relation i've never had this conversation with anyone who grew growing up this so too many books in their house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, it's different. You, you used to indulge book. more on them, but for me, I'm mm-hmm. not as much. Not mm-hmm. as much. Not as much as mm-hmm. you, you say it, not as much. I used to, of course, used to read, but not as crazy reading. Wow. Mm-hmm. So I now, now at least <laughs> someone who's listening can get to know you. There's, there's a way you know someone who reads. Like, there's a, mm-hmm. they have a very wide... I don't know, view of the world compared to the people who do mm-hmm. not necessarily read a lot, especially a wide range of books, not just one kind of book. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So mm-hmm. what, uh, do you remember one nickname that you did, did that give you? That you had a interesting, when you, did, when you read about that person, it was interesting. Um. <laughs> oh, you can remember. Um. Off the top of my head, I, I cannot remember, mm-hmm. but um, one I remember is the one that he gave my sister, mm-hmm. and that was Matip Tip. I can't remember what Matip Tip did, but he's a historical figure from the coast of Kenya. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> probably your listeners can go through some historical content and find out what Matip Tip did. But he, yeah, yeah, okay. that was a funny nickname that really stuck. And up mm. till now, we still call my sister my tip tip. Oh, tip tip. Yeah. Tip tip. Yeah, tip tip. Oh, okay. Uh, that one yeah. I'll find out. I'm actually <laughs> curious about that name. Okay, so, um, so would you say that you were introverted you, or you are introverted, or what would you say about your personality when it comes to? Because you mentioned you used to stay at home. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm very introverted, but mm. it's something I've been really working on mm. from I think just a few years back when I realized that now 
it gets to a point where you you cannot especially in the scientific world you cannot just be very closed off and not network with people because you're introverted but yeah i'm very introverted i love having my own space and doing things around my own space it's Mm. usually a bit daunting to be out there or be in front of a crowd talking Mm. that that was one of my biggest fear but i feel like over time having Mm. just grown into this space where you realize that so this is the career you want to have and you mm. with science you need to be able to communicate properly with people and effectively and not just the science the scientists out there you also need to be able to interact with local people on mm. the ground so I, I i i realized i felt the need that i needed to sort of get out of my comfort zone out of this box or cocoon that I'm in. And I've been trying to put myself into positions that normally I wouldn't be very comfortable in, trying to um, start up conversations with people probably in my field or out of my field, just to see the field. And it's usually very interesting to see someone else's point of view from what you what you think because yeah. i feel like as introverts you mm. usually already set in um in your headspace you already have this sort of view of things and now you're you don't have the exposure to other people who would tell you another perspective to certain things but then when you go when you get into a conversation with other people then you're like it's sort of revolutionary because it opens up your eyes to like this whole new world that you didn't know existed that Mm. oh this is actually possible like uh okay you you're seeing how my thought process is but you also have this new idea that actually makes sense to my Mm. thought process and it's very um exciting it's a very exciting i feel like adventure where you're Mm. getting to know people and people are actually understanding what you're doing and you're able to have conversations that spark up even more questions that are interesting to find an answer to. And I guess that's how research works, where Mm. you're constantly learning and bouncing off ideas against each other and it just grows from there. I love that. I'm sure someone who's listening who's also an introvert can... I don't know, can so, sort of relate and can maybe get some encouragement out of that because mm-hmm. I, I, th- I feel even me for some for some time I used to think like um I don't know when I realized like being in science <laughs> you need to talk to people <laughs> for you <laughs> to grow into it properly but um I I don't know i started doing the way you're saying you just do things that you are that are out of your comfort zone then you just realize Mm -hmm. how good you can actually be at it um Mm -hmm. by just getting out of that comfort zone of course you can of course you can't you you won't like be always doing that like you'll have your downtime and just be by yourself as Mm -hmm. you love but uh, there are those moments that uh, with time, when you keep on doing it, you become even more better at it, exactly. right? Yeah. yeah. I can give an example of chapati. I never, I never mm-hmm. used to like chapati. <laughs> I never used to like chapati. Okay, I still don't, I'm not really a fan of chapati, but I never really used to like chapati to the extent that I was never interested to know how to cook chapati. Then mm-hmm. it happened that I said, I said, uh, I started living on my own. Then, mm-hmm. um, 
then it, it happened that I had this chapati thing, uh, like um, home late. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing that is remaining is the chapati, what, what is it called? Flour and the ugali mm-hmm. flour. But now mm-hmm. ugali can't eat ugali on its own, right? So the only yeah. thing that makes sense to cook right now is something that has <laughs> dough in it. So then the mm-hmm. most, and of course I don't have like the rest of the things that needs to cook mandazi with. So I have to cook chapati. Like I have no option mm-hmm. and I can always stick, uh, make some black tea and all that and have, mm-hmm. you know, my supper. So I had mm-hmm. to teach myself how to cook chapati and these days I'm really good at it by the way and it's it, it is coming out of you know wanting to get of that comfort zone like yeah. I'm like now let me do something that I will be uncomfortable doing and see how it goes and you just realize oh you can actually be good at it it's just that I still um if if I feel like in my life in my normal life there's something that I'm struggling doing I would um engage in doing it because I want to be, I want to feel, I want to feel, oh, I can actually do this thing that I'm struggling with if I can do this. Yeah. Like, for example, chapati. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, I that, love, that's a very interesting analogy. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> and you're the first Kenyan I had who doesn't like chapati. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but now I don't yeah. love it, but I enjoy like doing because it mm. is, uh, it's something I've learned and it's something that it gets me out of my comfort zone. Like if I feel like mm-hmm. there's this thing that I need to do, but it's not me, but I have to do mm-hmm. it. I'm like, let me do something small. Let me bake a yeah. cake. I even learned making small cakes, just basic. Ooh, nice. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't even take cakes, you know, I don't even, even mm-hmm. in, in weddings, I don't go for the cake. I even like, mm-hmm. no, I'm, but now I, I, I do something out of my comfort zone so that I can do that other thing that is out of my comfort zone so that I feel, oh, yeah. I can actually do this thing that is not me. Yeah, so mm-hmm. in case of introvertedness, you can just say, ah, I can do this, I can do this. No, you can't do it. It's just that you have to choose. Yeah, yeah you can. This small mm-hmm. moment. You just have to get into that headspace where yes. you're able to take now that step out of the comfort zone. Yeah. It's very exciting, yeah. 